This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome Vanessa and Xander Marin, hosts of the podcast Pillow Talks and New York Times bestselling authors of Sex Talks to the show. Using Vanessa's 20 years of experience in the sex therapy field and Xander's decade of experience being married to her, the couple share insights into their relationship and sex life, normalizing talking about sex. Now, if even the mention of sex in conversation, especially the thought of talking about it with your partner, makes you feel uncomfortable, I want you to know that you are not alone. I hear from mom clients all the time who feel like their sex lives have taken a nosedive since becoming a parent. And with Valentine's Day here and date nights being planned, many of you might be wishing your sex lives were more like they used to be before becoming parents. The early days after a baby is born are survival mode. Between immediate recovery after birth, sleep deprivation, and the sheer weight of caring for a newborn, sex is often the last thing on our minds or if it is on your mind, there is rarely an opportunity to act on it. But even as time goes on and intimacy with our partner is less frequent, it can become difficult to get out of the rut, reconnect, or rekindle that spark. And the truth is that it takes a lot of communication, capacity, and time to reestablish our sex lives or carve out a new normal that feels good to everyone. Today, Vanessa and Xander and I discuss how busy schedules and overwhelming lives play a role in keeping us disconnected from our partners and the importance of establishing emotional connection in small ways throughout the day. We talk about how to navigate the postpartum season of life and the way the invisible load impacts our sex lives. We also talk about the upside of planning or scheduling sex and what to do if you feel uncomfortable initiating. But before jumping in, I'd like to take a minute to read an endorsement of my upcoming book, Releasing the Motherload, coming out April 9th. Libby Ward, founder of Diary of an Honest Mom, wrote this about the book. Motherhood can be exhausting and overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be that way. Releasing the motherload is a practical tool that helps moms identify why they're struggling and let go of the things that hold them back. Thanks so much, Libby, for those words about releasing the motherload. I hope that this book serves as a way forward for so many moms who are struggling with the mental load and feeling as if they have to do everything on their own. Now let's hear my conversation with New York Times bestselling authors, Vanessa and Xander. Has becoming a parent created a strain in your relationship? If so, you are far from alone. In fact, 67% of parents report a decline in satisfaction in their relationship during the first three years of baby's life. Parenthood brings new responsibilities, new stresses, and new potential sources of conflict. You might find yourself trying to cope with an imbalance in household labor or feeling unseen, unheard, and unappreciated. When your needs aren't being met, it can lead to a lack of intimacy and an increase in resentment. And when you start to feel resentful, it often becomes even more difficult to connect and communicate with your partner, creating a vicious cycle. If you're finding yourself feeling resentful, frustrated, or angry with your partner, talking to a specialized therapist who understands this adjustment can help. Mom therapists will help you work through your resentment, understand your emotions, help you set boundaries, communicate your needs, and help you explore what's really going on underneath your frustration. We provide virtual therapy support across Canada and are now serving 25 states in the U.S. 
Ready to learn more? Head to momwell.com slash booking to set up a free 15-minute virtual consultation. That's momwell.com slash booking. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Vanessa and Xander, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I've been following along with all your reels and your fun (laughs) content that I just, I love so much. Thank you for joining us and being here. Thank you so much for having us. It's really an honor. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm really curious. This is my own curiosity right now. How in the world we got here. Like, I mean, I see the quality of the content. I like, it makes sense credential wise, all the things, but like I was reading the website and it was saying that having a sex therapist as a wife or partner, it makes you popular at parties, Xander, and and just how you both ended up in this platform together. It's so fun and unique. So I'd love to hear the story. It was planned for me, an accident for Xander. So I'll tell you my side of it. First, I always knew that I wanted to do this for my career. For me, it traced back to my parents' attempt at giving me the talk, which, Mm. like most people, was very awkward. And I'm sure most people now are on the other end of it, anticipating or already feeling the awkwardness with their kids. And I remember in that moment when my parents were trying to give it, which wasn't really a talk at all. There was no information exchange. It was just sort of like, we're here if you want to ask us questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just being so struck in that moment by like, why is this so embarrassing? I can tell that my parents are very uncomfortable, mm. but I want to talk about it. I'm hearing things on the playground. I have questions. I'm very curious. So I had no idea that sex therapy existed as a career at that point, but that moment stuck with me and I kept coming back to it over and over again and eventually realized, you know what? I think this is my purpose. I think it's my mission Mm. to help people feel more comfortable talking about sex. And then on the other hand, I never imagined I would ever be a part (laughs) of anything like this. After college, I went into the consulting world and then into kind of like the tech world. I met Vanessa pretty soon after I kind of started my career. I thought it was super cool that she was an aspiring sex therapist. You know, like, like you said, you know, it's fun at parties. parties. It's fun to tell, you know, fun to tell your guy friends like, oh, guess what? I'm dating a future sex therapist. Right. But like, I never thought that I would be talking about my own sex life or our sex life. The prospect of that honestly felt super nerve wracking to me. You know, I, I, Mm -hmm. like most people, 
thought sex was something that happens in the bedroom and you do it, but you don't really talk about it. You're supposed to be good at it, you know, without anyone really teaching you how to do it. And, you know, it just happens. So anyway, fast forward a number of years, I was feeling kind of burned out with what I was doing. I wasn't really sure what kind of impact I was making in the world, especially because I look over and see Vanessa starting to build up the business that we have now and just saw the kind of impact that she was having on people and the types of change that she was making in people's lives. And I was like, you know, I want something like that for me too. So I just started working on the back end of the business. I started helping, you know, kind of grow the operational part of the business and was pretty soon kind of like the COO of the business. But what Vanessa kept asking was, hey, like, what if we talked about our relationship, our sex life, like on Instagram? Because at that point in time, we barely had an Instagram. It was like, you know, a couple thousand people following us and Vanessa posting kind of these more professional sort of sex therapist type things. And we were like, no one wants to follow a sex therapist. Like no one wants their friends to see that they follow a sex therapist, right? But she had this kind of harebrained scheme of like, (laughs) what if we just talked about like our relationship, our life? And uh, I slowly but surely got a little more and more on board with that. And we started kind of easing our way in. And, you know, the feedback that we got from people was like, oh my God, It's so refreshing to see two people just talking about this openly. And that was where things really took off. Yeah, because even though, you know, this is our business now, like we've had our own ups and downs, like in our lives before meeting each other and in our own relationship, like we've each gone through so many things like struggling with orgasm, low desire, mismatch Mm -hmm. desire, performance issues. And like for me, you know, despite my interest in this field, I saw how much the lack of information and lack of communication really hurt me. And so, you know, together as a couple, being able to normalize that for people felt so important to say, like, I know we all have the tendency to feel so alone whenever we're struggling with our sex life Mm -hmm. and to feel like we're broken, something's wrong with us. But for us, like being able to share our stories and say like, hey, we've been through this too. And we have some solutions to how to get out of it felt really important. Yeah, super powerful to be able to do that. Because, you know, if you went back to Xander of like, 10, 15 years ago, you know, I would have thought, you know, hey, if you go through these things, like, we don't want to tell anybody about it. We want to fix the problem. We want to pretend it never happened. And we're never going to tell anybody about this, right? And we're not even going to talk to each other about it. It's just like, Mm, okay, we got it fixed. We're good, right? But once you actually just open up about this stuff, and you realize, oh, my God, Every single one of these things is totally normal. Like nine out of 10 people have been through every single one of these things. It takes that power away. And it's so nice to be able to talk about it. It's so connecting and it helps people just realize that, yeah, it's better to talk about this because everybody goes through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm seeing this dynamic that I don't think I've seen so clearly before where if we are really adhering to traditional gender roles or norms or sort of societal expectations on us, this unhealthy or toxic masculinity might not want to talk about sexual issues, right? Like there is this like, oh, like kind of macho stance that comes out that it feels very vulnerable to go there. And then on the other hand, women have this very good girl purity culture you know, Mm -hmm. untouched or on like whatever expectation that 
they both kind of drive us in shame or cause us to pull away from each other and not have these conversations. Like it really works against Mm. us. It does. We're all set up for failure when it comes Mm. to maintaining intimacy and connection. And that's so important for all of us to recognize, because like I said a minute ago, we all have the tendency to feel like something's wrong with us and to feel very alone when it comes to sex. And it's very healing to recognize like, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with you individually. Mm. It's this society, this culture that we've been raised in that shows us all these mixed messages about sex. Like as women, we're not supposed to be prudish, but we also don't want to be too sexual, right? And like, yeah, just like what you were saying, the good girl stuff comes up. And for men, they're supposed to always know what they're doing. They're supposed to be the ones who always want sex more or be more in control during sex. So we just get so many crappy messages. We see so many crappy examples on TV and the movie where sex looks effortless, spontaneous. It's so natural and easy. And we also are not given accurate information and not taught how to talk about it openly. So it's like with all of these variables and dynamics, how could we develop healthy relationships with sex? Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that you can, on your platform, the two of you, do it in such a fun, approachable, it feels like a lighthearted way is really like draws you in. And I'm like, what is this? sex bucket list that I can comment (laughs) to and and receive and explore. We'll get to that in a little bit because there's lots to get to. But you had said something, Xander, that I thought that sex happens in the bedroom. So before we jump in even to our questions today, can we unpack that a little bit? What do you mean by that? And, And where does sex begin then if not in the bedroom? Well, I think there's a couple of things there. I think that you know, because of all those dynamics that we were just talking about, we totally compartmentalize sex, you know, kind of like emotionally almost like we think of sex as this thing that we do that's only happening in the bedroom and therefore it's happening independent of or it should be happening independently of whatever else is going on in our lives, whether Mm -hmm. we are super busy at work, whether we just had, you know, our first kid, whether we just had another kid, whether, you know, we're wildly disconnected from each other, (laughs) you know, we're going through some kind of health issue. So we think that, yeah, it's just supposed to happen. And, you know, especially like once we're in our long-term relationship or married, like, yeah, okay, we just kind of settle into this groove and it just happens. You know, we get in bed, we turn out the lights and then, you know, one partner turns to the other and it just happens. And yet, you know, we realize that in most long-term relationships, that's not actually how it is happening, right? Mm. So the reality is, is that we can't just expect sex to happen, at the end of the night, once we get into the bedroom, we have to start thinking about like, how do we maintain connection throughout the day? How do we rekindle that connection if we feel super far apart because of, you know, God knows what's been going on in your life. So how do we start making baby steps towards coming back together just in the relationship, you know, rather than like, okay, let's just wait until the end of the night and maybe we'll have sex. The main problem that comes up for couples is they don't think about how emotional intimacy plays in with physical intimacy. But most couples will tell us, like, we feel wildly disconnected from each other. We feel Mm. like ships passing in the night. We feel like roommates rather than romantic partners or business, like doing the logistics rather than romantic partners. But then couples will say, you know, what's wrong with us that we're not having sex or we don't want to have sex? 
that's why it's so important to us to talk about the emotional connection. Sex is not just something that happens at the end of the night. It's all throughout the day. The way that Mm -hmm. we talk to each other, the way that we treat each other, the way that we interact with each other, that's going to affect whether or not we want to be intimate with each other. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think that that has to be sexual content throughout the day. Like you see these memes for moms and for parents, like the porn of their husband doing all the chores around the house or whatever. Uh But there is recent research out about if I view my partner as a dependent and I Mm -hmm. carry and shoulder all the invisible load, including theirs, I have a lack of desire to engage with you in that way. Exactly. It can be throughout the day, like making that space for one another even is having that other person top of mind. I don't know. There's a connectedness when I feel like my husband has thought about something for me. Like I came into a podcast today and he had the whole podcast set up, the whole like setup. I have like a wall thing, a <laughs> wrapper on my desk. And like, I hadn't even gotten there yet. I come down, he has the whole studio set up mm-hmm. for me, right? Mm-hmm. There's just something in the being considerate and thoughtful of each other, that you're in each other's minds, even if you can't be in tandem together or spend all kinds of what might feel like gluttonous time when we are busy with kids. Like we don't have all of that time to dedicate in the same way, but there's, I don't know, little interactions throughout the day that go a really long way. Those little interactions go a huge, huge way towards, yeah, helping you feel connected, feel like a real partnership, feel like you're on the same team. And what I appreciate about those things, too, is that there are so many little things that you can do, even if you're an exhausted parent who's just, Mm. you know, you're so tired. When you're in that kind of place, the idea of sex can just feel like an enormous leap. Like, I can't even fathom how I could get to this place of being excited to have sex. But when you focus on those little things, and we're talking really small, practical things, like research has shown one of the greatest predictors of marital success is gratitude. And I love gratitude because it's free, it's easy, and it's incredibly fast. So something as simple as saying, like, I saw that you unloaded the dishwasher, and I really appreciate that. I saw that you handled all the things that our kid needs for school tomorrow, and I really appreciate that. Like, those little things really help make that gap shrink so that Mm. it doesn't feel like this enormous leap to be physically intimate. And it feels good to receive. So it's like both partners can work on like, okay, yeah, let me get motivated to find these little places where I can be considerate, where I can show up, and then I can receive that gratitude for those things. It's such a virtuous cycle of both of you are wanting to get that gratitude is because it feels good to receive and then doing the things that, you know, are going to get it for you. Want to get smarter about your health, but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. 
One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. We talk a lot about the invisible load here, and I actually wrote a book called Releasing the Motherload. It's actually coming out so soon in April. Oh, congrats. Thank you. I'm kind of gearing up for- a great title. For some of that. Yeah. (laughs) And one of the things that I've come to learn is that the invisible load that moms carry is just that. It's invisible. And 95% of moms feel like they are invisible, unacknowledged and unseen because mm-hmm. they don't even know this invisible labor and how to put the language to it sometimes. Mm-hmm. But also their partner doesn't see or understand. So it's kind of like this real thankless, invisible role they can play mm-hmm. at times. And so I think that being seen by their partner, even if I'm the one that has to do it or like my partner just organized, uh, I don't know, all the hotels for hockey tournaments and the Uh (laughs) registration was opening up. And these are usually things that I would own, but I'm in a very busy season in the business right now. And he just kind of took ownership over those things without question. And so to see and say, oh my gosh, thank you for taking that off my plate, you know, and moms, I feel like they really long for that in return. It's not necessarily that they need to get rid of all the things though. They need to get rid of a lot of things. We need some support, but it's just even the being seen and the things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think we underestimate how far being seen by somebody can go. It's absolutely huge. There's so much power in feeling seen. And that's, a, I think, a big part of physical intimacy, too. You know, it's a way that we can really see each other. So yeah, being able to have those moments, recognize each other, and also bring, I think, one of the big dangers of mental load is that it's invisible. So being able to bring these dynamics out into the light of day, make them visible, that helps us appreciate each other so much more and also helps us work together as a team to balance that load. Yeah, I think it's so important to be able to acknowledge and to see yourself to really recognize, oh yeah, I am doing all these things that I was maybe not really considering as work or extra chores or whatever. And then also be able to communicate those things to your partner and, you know, so that they can understand. Because, yeah, it's so easy for this stuff to just kind of, you know, kind of like how we compartmentalize sex. It's like we can also compartmentalize a lot of these tasks and just be like, oh, well, this is just what I do rather than like, oh, yeah, these are tasks that like I'm choosing to do or that like my partner and I could split up or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's just so important to be able to 
recognize yourself what they are and also be able to communicate them. I mean, it's kind of like advice I got in the corporate world early on. It's like you have to almost like advocate to your manager. You have to make sure your manager knows all the things that you're doing. Otherwise, you know, you're maybe not going to be in line for a promotion or whatever. It's so easy for all the little tasks that you're doing to not really be seen or understood. And ultimately, like, you know, it would be great if your manager just knows or sees it somehow. But like, you know, it, it, it's my responsibility to to share what I've been up to all week. And I think that that can really work in a relationship, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really have to make those pieces visible. And it's hard when we don't even know ourselves or have the language, which is what we support moms with a lot here and parents, broadly speaking. So, okay, we on the podcast before have talked about when sex hurts postpartum and what to do. And we Mm -hmm. had pelvic floor physiotherapists on to talk about painful sex. And we've talked about mismatched desire and really... Uh, struggling with desire, not that that is always mom. Certainly, sometimes desire even can go up postpartum or just maintain itself. But we've talked a lot about those moms who feel like they are invisible and carrying that invisible load and, mm-hmm. and how to work on that desire and things. One of the things that I don't feel like we've explored a lot is like a lot of the moms in my DMs want more sex and intimacy with their partner. Mm-hmm. but they just don't know how to get out of the rut that they're in or they don't know how to look forward to it or prioritize it. Like it makes me think about, okay, in the morning, it's like tonight, this is what's happening. <laughs> and then by the time nighttime comes, I like climb into bed with my TikTok videos and I want nothing to do with being touched at all because I've mommed all day or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And this dynamic is something I hear a lot about. So moving through ruts, like rekindling a spark exploration. How can we go about that? And I will put the caveat to say that my youngest child is five years old now. If you're like six to eight months postpartum, you know, new exploration in your sex life might not be top priority. Like give yourself (laughs) some space to breathe. This isn't to add pressure by any means. But when you do start to feel like you have the capacity to come up for air and want to lean into that more, both you and your partner, Like, where do we begin? One of the biggest issues that I've seen come up for women is that we struggle to initiate sex. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I've been through myself so I can really understand the challenges. Like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, you know, we get all these messages about don't be too prudish, but also don't be too sexual. And even when we're married and we're, you know, quote unquote, like doing it right, like it's okay for me to have sex now I'm married. Um, We still feel really self-conscious about initiating We haven't had the experience of doing it. We're worried about how we might come off. And even we might get into a place of worrying, well, does this mean I want it more than my partner? And if we're with a male partner, that brings up all sorts of complicated dynamics. Like, isn't he supposed to want it more? Well, does this mean he's not attracted to me? Does Mm. this mean my postpartum body isn't as sexy to him as it used to be? So all sorts of challenges can come up for us. But I think learning how to initiate, to be more clear with it and to be more confident with it is such a great first step for so many women. Mm, I'm so curious how we do that. Like, I'm going to totally out myself here and laugh. Like, my form of initiation is like, bedtime now. Let's go. Like, 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 that's like, (laughs) window is open. Take it or leave it. Like, that's like, you know. 
But how do we break out of that? Because as you said, I feel like our male partners, if we are partnered with a male, have had a lot of practice at this, right? Like if we've not done this before, it feels very like clunky and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It does. So like, how do we dip our toe in without feeling like (laughs) we're just diving headfirst, you know? The overall theme that I want people to think about is that initiation should feel like an invitation. Mm-hmm. Most of us feel so uncomfortable and awkward about it that we do it in these kind of roundabout ways or we try to make a joke out of it. It's just not very clear or very enticing to our partner. Or we just make mm-hmm. it super quick. It's like, oh, I just want to get this over with. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of the we've talked to our community about their least favorite types of initiation. We'll hear things like, oh, well, my partner thinks they're giving me the look, but I, it just looks like they have something in their eye or like I can part- mind read what they're yeah. thinking type <laughs> yeah. thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Or like a loud sigh in bed. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. We're just, yeah, we're not really being super clear with our partners because of that vulnerability that we feel. But ultimately we want to get to a place where it feels like an invitation, where we're telling our partner, like, I want to connect with you. I'm excited about this. So the first to like make it more practical The first starting point I want people to think about is to try to think about a few times in the past that your partner initiated that it did feel like an invitation to you. Mm -hmm. So in our book, Sex Talks, The Five Conversations That Will Transform Your Love Life, we share our initiation styles model that we came up with. And if you've heard of like the love languages model, Mm -hmm. it's a similar type of thing, this idea that we each like sex to be initiated in different ways. So we want to learn our style. Okay. So think about, yeah, what were a few times that my partner initiated that I really enjoy, that it did feel like an invitation to me and see if you can find any common thread in that. So maybe it was something like, you know, my partner was actually really like silly and playful about it. It wasn't this serious, like, I'm going to seduce you type of vibes. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was. Like, a or maybe it was. Maybe you're like, I like it when my partner like has the rose petals and the lights are dim and the candles are on and there's soft music playing. Maybe mm. it's more touch based. Like, I loved the way that, me, you know, my partner touched me. They gave me a long massage or they just like pushed me up against the wall and started kissing me. So think of some examples and look for the commonalities because that will help you start to identify like what are the ways that you like sex to be initiated. Mm -hmm. And then the second part of this is to ask your partner that same question too. And this is a great question, especially if you've never done that much initiating. You can ask your partner and say something like, hey, I want to initiate sex more. I'm feeling a little bit shy. I don't have a lot of confidence yet, but I want to get there. And I'm curious to know from you, what are two to three ways that I could initiate with you that you would really like? So Mm. having specific examples is going to be so beneficial for you because one, like you'll know what to do. It's not this like, okay, I guess I'm going to try. And two, you're going to know that those specific things are things that your partner likes. And you may find, you probably will find, that what they say they like is very different from what you might like, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's what they like. And I think that's, it's important to pay attention to that. Yeah, it's really interesting because like what we might think is initiation, like I see this in that like love language kind of thing, like how we think we're giving love or how we think we are initiating versus how our partner is actually receiving that can be very different, right? And like, I laugh because my husband will be like, was that you initiating? Like, is that what that was? He'll just like outright ask me. I'm like, yes, the window is open. Let's go, you know? But it's, it's clearly because it's a different 
style. And I would say probably more passive. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really interesting. So this bridges with my question around timing and scheduling then, Mm -hmm. because this initiation, as we're describing it, feels like it's this spontaneous thing. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens in my life spontaneously right Mm -hmm. now. My schedule is disgustingly accounted for. (laughs) So how does this bridge with timing? I get this question a lot. Like, should sex be timed? Can it be timed? Does that take the passion or excitement out of it? I'm curious your thoughts. That's a great question. I think that initiation can and often should be separated from when we actually have sex for a couple of reasons. One, this might help you build up the confidence. If you know, like, I'm initiating for later rather than like right in this moment, that can feel easier to do. And two, because we're really big fans of scheduling sex in general. Mm. So I know that a lot of people hear that phrase, scheduled sex, And for most people, it brings up this immediate sense of dread, like, oh, man, things have gotten so bad that now we are going to have to schedule sex like we schedule our dentist cleanings. Plus, we we often see (laughs) scheduling sex kind of like as the butt of a joke in a lot of movies and TV, like, oh, like the red dot on the calendar and like the kids secretly know what it means and like, oh, God, how embarrassing. But there are other ways. (laughs) Yeah, the reality is that most of us are leading very scheduled lives these days. Mm -hmm. And we don't judge our schedules for that. Like we put things in our calendars that are important to us and that we want to make sure we follow through on. And we even do this with like family events or friends events. Like if you're going to have dinner with a girlfriend, you're putting that in your calendar, right? Right. I mean, sometimes we do do the, uh, oh yeah, we'll get dinner one of these days and then it's like a year later. (laughs) Right. If you actually want it to happen, you're putting it in the calendar. And we see putting our family members and our friends in our calendar as a sign of love and respect. Like, I want Mm. to spend that time with you. I'm putting it in my calendar to make sure that I show up for it. So I think the same sort of vibe can come up around scheduling. The way that you schedule sex matters. Of course, if you put it in your calendar, it's like 9.15 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. every single Tuesday. We are forcing ourselves to do it in those moments. Of course, it's going to feel cold and clinical. But Mm -hmm. if you think about it more in that general sense of, I schedule the things that are important to me. I'm intentional about how I spend my time that can make it take on such a totally different vibe. Mm -hmm. It's a really great reframe because what I think ends up happening then is you rely on that spontaneous desire or for it to just happen. And then you end up in this transactional quickie trying to fit it in kind of like rat race to keep up with almost feeling. Whereas if you know, hey, laptops are closed or no scheduled events this day, we're going to bed two hours early to just lounge even and have that time together. Mm -hmm. It just allows for space that you wouldn't have. And like, I'm sure that there is space and time for quickies that like are quick and transactional, Mm -hmm. but it can't always be that, right? Like there has to be more substance sometimes. I think every couple should schedule quality time at the very least. Like like if we take sex out of the equation completely, 
when was the last time most of us went on an actual date, right? Yeah. <laughs> like we need to put it in our calendars and prioritize it. And just like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, when you're spending more quality time together, when you're feeling that emotional connection, that's going to make sex feel easier too. So especially busy parents, especially like people who are just feel exhausted and full, you know, even if it's 10 minutes that you're putting on your calendar or it's this little, you know, cute routine that you're going to do. Hey, on Thursday mornings, we're going to get up a little bit early and have a cup of coffee with each other just out on the porch or something. You know, just having those little moments of time with each other can be really beneficial. And I think another tricky thing that happens is oftentimes we feel so overwhelmed and exhausted by our days we have this tendency to fall into the trap of thinking, I don't have any free time whatsoever. I don't have any time to be with my partner. But then let's be honest with ourselves. Like how much time are we scrolling on our phones? Are we watching Netflix? Mm -hmm. You know, there are little pockets of time that we can find to connect with our partner. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, having a two hour date night every single week. But maybe again, if it's like, 10 minutes. We're just going to have a quick conversation. We're going to hop into bed and we're going to cuddle. Or yes, there's a ton of laundry to be done, but we are going to spend a little time connecting with each other first and then we'll do the laundry afterwards. Like little mm -hmm. things like that can make a big difference. Yeah. And I, I think it can feel like a tough ask, you know, when you're early on in the day or early on in the week or whatever, and you're in that mode, that kind of tactical, like, all right, I'm laying out the schedule. I'm planning everything. You're probably not thinking about what you're going to feel like when you're having that quality time, you're just in that mode of scheduling. It's like, Oh, God, it doesn't feel like there's any time for this. But I think the reality is, is that once you actually start having a little bit of that quality time, our attitude starts to shift a bit, we start to go, Oh, yeah, like, this is really nice. This does feel good. Oh, maybe I am more open to physical intimacy than I thought I would be when I initially scheduled this time. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Vanessa and I have found just personally is that, you know, if we are talking through the rest of our day, for example, and there's like three things that need to be done. And one of them is like, hey, it would be really fun to have sex. And it also feels stressful because there's these two other things. I'm not sure if we're going to get them all done. Three sounds reasonable. Yeah, Usually three, it's like okay. 10. <laughs> Sorry. Let's just say, yeah, let's say there's, there's a long list of things and a short amount of time to do it. You know, in the past, I would have been more inclined to be like, all right, well, let's get all the stuff done and then we can have sex. And the reality is you almost always run out of time. And what we discovered recently is we were like, you know what? Like, let's just be together and have sex first. Mm -hmm. And what we realized was we felt so good and connected and in such a like positive state of mind afterwards, like we get through all the other tasks so much more efficiently mm -hmm you know, we feel good about splitting things up and working with each other rather, rather than it. Yeah, we, we become a team. And so yeah, that's been a total game changer for us. Yeah, I want to be really careful here, because I think sometimes couples will hear our advice. And I think this happens in particular for women who are feeling really busy and overworked. Sometimes they hear our advice and go to a place of shame. And they think, mm -hmm. oh, here's yet another thing that I'm not doing right. Right. Oh, they're making it sound so easy. I just need to take a couple of minutes. And, you know, we're already so freaking hard on ourselves. And it's mm -hmm. so easy for us to go to this place of beating ourselves up, thinking like, I'm barely a good mom. I'm not a good partner. I'm not even a good human being. <laughs> So I want to be really careful in saying, like, this is not easy stuff. No. Like, mm -hmm. there are so many huge, you know, systemic and gender, all these issues that we could spend hours and hours talking about that mm -hmm. really make it difficult 
for parents, for couples to like have that time to connect. So I want to be careful about that. And I also want to say like, at the end of the day, this is the person that you've chosen to spend your life with, this person that you love. And you chose to be with this person because you know that you guys are really good together. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all had those experiences of when it feels like our relationship is on solid footing, you kind of feel invincible. You're like, we can Mm -hmm. do like, we can do anything. We're a killer team. And maybe not even invincible. (laughs) That might be too (laughs) idle to reach for, but you just, you feel like you have a real partner, right? And and like life just feels easier. So I think that's something to remind ourselves, especially in those seasons where it just, everything's feeling like a slog and it's feeling so heavy of just reminding yourself like, I deserve to feel connected to the person that I love the most in this world. And I know that life is easier when we're on each other's side. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed. But the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Asherina Reem's Psyched Mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create all the rage, Raising Kids with Less Anger and More Connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code rage20. That's momwell.com slash rage, code rage20. I really distinctly remember when... I was pregnant with my first or postpartum with my first somewhere in the blur of three boys in three and a half years and feeling like, oh, is this the beginning of the end for us in that like pregnancy, postpartum, like the season becomes so all consuming that you don't have the foresight in the season to know that this is just a season sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think that as like my youngest is now five going on six, and I'm in a totally different season and stage of parenting. I can see that now. And as I went through my second and third pregnancy, we would just get our groove back, which was how we would get pregnant every time. And then (laughs) I like end up back in the whirlwind of children again. But you do come out of this season. And I think doing it in a way that you're still connected and you don't resent each other is like a good predictor of how well you will rebound even uh, like physically with each other. Because if you feel invisible and unacknowledged and like you also have to parent your spouse, well then of course sex is going to be difficult because Mm -hmm. there are other things there that are happening that aren't lending themselves well to that physical connection. Yeah. And as people come out of that stage, and I'm just saying that for anyone who's like like square in it right now, if you are Mm -hmm. like, 
six weeks, eight weeks postpartum, please go back to the painful sex episode and just bank this Mm -hmm. one for like when you have some capacity, you know? But for those who do feel like they have that capacity and they feel like they're maybe more comfortable in their body and they feel even maybe liberated for how powerful and amazing their body has been going through this experience. I really thought that the sex bucket list was such an interesting idea, this like fun, (laughs) playful exploration that not even keep the spark alive, but just keep us enjoying each other differently. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious how someone might lean into that as they are getting their groove back. I want to answer that question. It's a great one. Can I give one quick tip, though, to any of your listeners who are in that season of it's just like, I can't even listen to this episode right now. It's too much. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it is important to acknowledge that some seasons of life, you just can't prioritize your relationship. There are too many things going on. There's painful sex. There's, you know, you're right in that newborn phase. That is okay. Like we need to be gentle with ourselves and not put all this pressure. But the best tip that you can do in those times is acknowledge it with your partner. So Mm -hmm. often what happens for couples in these kinds of stages is you start to feel embarrassed and ashamed. You don't want to be in that situation. You know, you start to like wonder, God, are we ever going to reconnect? Oh, my God, it's been so I can't remember the last time we've had sex. You just kind of want to bury your head in the sand about it. But what happens for your partner is they're going through that same thing, too. And now they're left wondering, huh, does my partner notice how disconnected we are? Hmm. Do they care? Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't care at all. So just by talking about it out loud, and here's like a really simple script that you can use. I know that we are in a really busy season of life. We've got X, Y, Z on our plate. And I know that right now you and I have to take a back seat. And I just want you to know that I miss you and I love you. And I can't wait for us to get out of this season of life. Mm -hmm. And just something like that. That can go such a long way in helping the two of you feel like a team. Yeah. Yeah, And and that gives permission to your partner to also share like what they're missing as well. Because I think it can be really challenging as the partner to be like, hey, I am missing all of these things. I feel like I can't say anything because then I'm pressuring my partner or, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're obviously not saying anything about it. So it would be weird for me to say anything about it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just so powerful opening up just that really simple acknowledgement conversation because it helps your partner feel seen and validated, but also gives them permission to share what's going on with them, and you're going to feel more connected after that. Mm -hmm. So then to get back to the question about exploring things in the bedroom, so research has shown that when we do new things with our partner inside and outside of the bedroom, that is one of the secrets to lasting connection in a relationship. Mm, Doing new things just lights our brain up. It helps us see our partner in a different way, helps us appreciate them more. So the issue, though, that comes up with sex is people here try new things, They instantly feel exhausted. (laughs) They think, I'm not creative. I don't have any ideas. I don't even know what the options are. Or their brains leap ahead thinking that it has to be something very complicated or very outside of their comfort zone. So like, well, I Googled like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I Googled sex bucket list. And the first thing that came up was bringing another person into the bedroom. I'm like, that will never effing happen. So let's like close laptop, walk away, you know? And so it feels such a reach. It just feels like one extreme to the other. Yeah. Um, I think that's the experience that so many people have is it's like they have that moment of curiosity 
and they do a tiny bit of research or the first thing that comes to mind is something that feels really extreme and you automatically go, oh no, that's not me. Like, mm-hmm. and so you swing back mm-hmm. to, you know, the other extreme, which is, oh yeah, no, no, this is just, I just, I'm simple. I do the things that I like and that's that. Yeah. yeah so stay vanilla. That's, yeah. the vibe. that's the whole thing right now, right? Vanilla. Like, yeah. <laughs> so our business is all about teaching people the skills with sex that we all feel like we should know already, but secretly want a little bit more information about. So the sexual bucket list is one of the guides that we have. And what we've found with trying new things in the bedroom is, again, like I was saying, so many people feel like, I just don't even know the options and I feel so boring and uncreative. So we give you the options. It's this long list of tons of different things that you can try with your partner, ranging from very, very mild, plenty of things that you've probably already done to things that are going to be, you know, more on the kinky end of things. But there's just a huge amount of stuff on the list. And it's such a fun exercise for you to go through individually and to really think about like, yeah, is that something I would want to put on my sexual bucket list? Maybe I'm like a maybe on that one. Maybe I'm a hell yes on that one. And then for you to share lists with your partner and to go through and see like, oh, yeah, this is something that we want to put on the list. So it's just a really fun exercise to go through together. Yeah, that bucket list is also there's a version of it that's in our book. So yeah, if you get the book, you'll see a version of that, which is super fun. But I think the other reason why the bucket list is super cool is that after you have a kid or kids like what feels good for you very often can change. And Mm -hmm. so I think the bucket list is just a great way to open up that conversation of, you know, hey, the stuff that used to work for us may not work anymore. Like, let's kind of open it back up, put all the options on the table and see what is available to us and try to figure out, you know, what is the new normal? So I think that that exercise can also be a really good way to open that conversation up and kind of give both of you permission to try a number of new things and figure out, you know, what's really working for you now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. My husband and I have been together for like 13 or 14 years. We met like in a very Christian environment and I feel like have evolved so much obviously over the years. So what may have been I don't know, like hard nose or mm-hmm. ideas that we brought into our marriage versus how we might think things through now has evolved a lot. So coming across your bucket list opened up conversations like, is that a hard no? Is that a mm, don't know till I try it? Is mm-hmm. that a, you know, like trying to bring a more neutral, I do this, okay, mm-hmm. sidestep bringing the kids into this conversation for a moment. But I try and do this with my kids with new foods. It's like, your taste buds are constantly changing and evolving. You don't know until you Uh try it. Once you try it, if you don't like it, and some things maybe you know, hard stop, you're not going to be open to trying. Mm -hmm. But there is just something about bringing a neutral curiosity to things that allows for like a fun newness together to just, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know until we try. Let's give it a try. Oh, we're laughing because this is hilarious and silly. And and if nothing else, we've made some jokes and memories out of it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Your bucket list started a lot of those conversations with us and we've been having them as we've been in this new like season of parenthood. But it's a fun place to be able to return back to Mm-hmm. especially if you are crazy busy and stressful and stuff to like have yeah. that kind of playfulness with your partner can be a oh, lot yeah. of fun. 
Most couples don't really talk about sex openly with each other. And one of the consequences of that is that we very often have misunderstandings about what our partner is wanting and not wanting. So like one example of this woman that we talked to recently, she had told her partner at the beginning of their relationship not to go down on her simply because they were new and she was uncomfortable and just needed a little bit of time. But he interpreted that as she didn't want oral sex. So now fast forward, it's 10 years into the relationship. And she's like, I would love for my husband to go down on me, but he hasn't done it in a decade. Like, what do I do? And meanwhile, he's feeling like, yeah, I'm respecting her boundaries. Yeah, right. this, is something, this is something she doesn't want. Just a miscommunication. Yeah. When the reality was like, it was something that they were both happy to do again. But just because of that lack of communication, they were misunderstanding each other. Mm-hmm. And I love the platform that you've built for that reason. The book, Sex Talks, makes it so approachable. The amount of guides and resources you have on your website, like I (laughs) am obsessed. I love all of them. Where can people find the book? Where can they continue to learn more from you both? You can find the book at sextalksbook.com. We have links to all the major retailers there. And if you come back after you've purchased the book, there's a very short little form on that page and we'll send you a free workbook to help you dive even deeper into the book. And then you can find all of our guides and courses on our website at vmtherapy.com. So a few of the most popular ones are our ultimate foreplay guides, which walk Mm -hmm. you through exactly what to do to give your partner the best experience of their life. (laughs) And they're really, really amazing, very fun and sexy to go through together. We also have challenges for couples. We have a sex challenge and we have a connection challenge that are so much fun and a great way to get like out of a rut and start to rediscover each other again. And we also have a course called The Art of Initiation, which, you know, if you're one of those people who really struggles to have that confident and clear, enticing initiation, we walk you through that too. And then you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa and Xander. Um, It's Xander with an X. For lots of goofy videos, us trying out weird sex tips and positions from the internet. (laughs) We would love to connect with uh, anyone from your community over on Instagram too. We'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes so people can easily click through and find you. But yeah, so absolutely love the work that you were doing. Appreciate you both being here. Thanks for taking the time today. Thanks so much for having us. I feel like I could talk to Vanessa and Sander about sex all day. They offer such refreshing, lighthearted, and truly valuable insight. And I'm so glad they were able to join me for this episode. Some of you are in this season of life where sex feels like it's not remotely on the priority list. And I want you to know that that is okay. You have a lot on your plate and sex should never feel like an obligation. But others of you, like me, are now entering a different stage of motherhood. The weight of the invisible load might still be present, but as some capacity starts to come back into play, you might be wondering how to reconnect with your partner and get that spark back. I want you to know that if you are struggling with resentment or relationship conflict or the invisible load, those things play a factor in your desire and in your sex life. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or with your relationship, and it also doesn't mean it's hopeless. These things are intertwined conflict, resentment, labor, and sex. And so much of all of it comes down to communication and feeling connected to your partner. When we can work through some of the pieces by talking with our partner openly and honestly, 
We can rebuild emotional intimacy, which in turn allows us to rebuild physical intimacy as well. That's why so much of Vanessa and Xander's advice centers around connecting, talking about initiation, what we like and what our partners like, talking about labor in the home and expressing gratitude and appreciation for those little things our partners do to show us they see us and value us, talking about desire and what new things to try together. These conversations can really open up the door for a new normal that can be fun, exciting, romantic, or even playful. Whatever stage of life you're in, whatever your sex life currently feels like, whatever you are going through, I hope that you walk away from this episode feeling empowered to bring that spark back at your own pace. I can't wait to hear what you thought about this episode. Send me a DM and let me know your thoughts. Are there other topics or areas that you would like us to explore? Send me a DM or leave me a review and I'll use that to carve out future episodes. And if you're listening to this episode and feeling like you have just too much conflict, too much overwhelm, or too much resentment to even tackle these conversations with your partner, I also want you to know that's okay and MomWell can help. Our therapists offer virtual relationship support to couples and individuals and can help you work through resentment, open up the lines of productive communication, share the household labor, and reestablish trust and intimacy. Book a free 15-minute virtual consult at momwell.com booking. That's momwell.com booking. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by Mark Williams, co-founder of International Fathers Mental Health Day, to discuss postpartum depression in dads. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center to join the momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well.